Hey guys, this is Heidi St. John. Welcome to Off the Bench. Thanks for tuning in today. Today is Friday, the 4th of June, and today I'm going to air part two of my interview with my friend, David Fiorazzo. David is the author of a brand new book called Canceling Christianity, and today is a really hard-hitting interview as we talk about how we got here and the high price of American Christianity. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Yeah. And, and I'll take it a step farther. You know, my husband was a pastor for nearly 20 years and what we have observed, and I think you, I'm sure you're seeing this where you are too, is that the, the, you know, our 501c3s have these pastors by the throat. And so, you know, we will do almost anything to keep that beloved tax exempt status, you know, because we, people want to give if they can get money back from in their taxes, if they get a tax break. Well, that was never in the Bible. (laughs) You know, I mean, that never, you know, we never talked about giving a tenth of whatever it is that we are first fruits if we can get a tax write off, right? It was just here. This is what, this is what you're instructed to do. We give because God instructs us to give, not because we can get a tax write off. And shame on these pastors who have allowed this 501c3 status to effectively silence their voices in the political arena. And if that's the only thing that is keeping these pastors, right? The Johnson Amendment, right, plays right into this. It really has given the adversary an upper hand. And you wrote in your book that the separation of church and state would be a ridiculous, laughable concept to our founders and to the early patriots. It should be laughable to us as well. We prove this as we explore the great impact that Christianity has had on America and what made the American churches essential, which is how our founders saw them. They saw the church as essential. And it's amazing to me now that because of money, because that's what it is, right? Because of money, which is the root of what? All kinds of, all kinds of bad things the love of money. And we have, I mean, that's what this is. And I have been challenging pastors for a long time. Listen, if your 501c3 has made you into a coward, get rid of it. Get rid of it because it's not, it's not worth it. And we're in a battle right now. I mean, we're in a battle for the soul of this country. And you talk about this a lot in the book. You, um, what do you mean? Because you talked about forces of darkness that are human and demonic. What was your point in in pointing out the difference? Well, I wanted to allude because I write a lot. I think in this book more than any other, I wanted. To, I, I'm alluding to spiritual warfare, the very real warfare, uh, because there are demons. And otherwise, Jesus is a liar and the Bible's not true if there's no supernatural realm. And there are demons and there are humans warring against our souls and manifesting evil works in our country and in our culture. So if we're understanding the spiritual battle, if we understand that it, because Paul wrote in Ephesians 6, get out the armor of God, get it on, keep it on, stand, he said three or four times. If we understand the spiritual battle underlies this battle and the warfare that we're in, then we can make sense. That's the biblical world, but we can make sense of some of what's going on, what's happening with the Great Reset, the globalism, the socialism. It's progressive. It's it's prophetic what's going on because the United States is in the way, because Christianity is in the way. First John 3, I mentioned a couple of scriptures in, in this chapter. Um, 3 verses 8 through 10 says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And then it says in verse 10, by this, 
the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. So remember, Jesus says, you will know them by their fruit. And he's saying these people, uh, you know, uh, worship me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. Speaking of the Pharisees. Well, he also told them, he said, you are of your father, the devil. So it's not just a cliche that the devil is in the details when it comes to agendas against Christ, against his church, against believers, true disciples, or agendas to cancel Christianity or even America and what she stands for. So we have to recognize the spiritual battle. That's the underlying thing that's driving all this. It is a demonic agenda that we're seeing played out. And I'm just kind of going, and going back to the question you asked me, why I decided to write the book. I'm seeing all this, and I'm seeing people go along with a lot of this stuff. For example, is there a male and a female, or can we be whatever we want to be? Well, where did moral relativism, relativism become the law of the land? You know what I mean? And so we're just kind of going, wow, this is so, this is deception. It is delusion. It is a reprobate mind. It's a Romans 1 time that we're in. We've got to be aware of this and be able to articulate this to people in the church that are confused. Yeah, and 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 we've got so many issues right now. I mean, it's hard to even know where to start, right? We uh, we've talked a lot about what's going on in the public school system, and I believe that the that the public school is basically an arm of the Democrat Party now, right? It's basically run by the left, and now we've got you know the leftists have done what is exactly what was written in the Communist Manifesto all those years ago, which was that slow march through the universities, a slow march through our schools. And um, parents need to understand this was never the way that our nation was intended to run. And all you got to do is look up quotes from just about any one of the founding fathers and talk about what they said about faith and education and government. And you're going to start scratching your head going, we're upside down. Like we're, we're so, we're so far away from the original vision that was and the vision, by the way, that God blessed, he blessed that original vision. And we have moved very, very far away from it to the point where I think we're damaging our children. And I know that you wrote about this because you talked about the anti-Christian un-American education system that is the public school system. Why did you decide to include talking about education in the book? It's one of the biggest catalysts for the immorality and the moral relativism and the progressivism that we're seeing today because it just takes a generation. And in the 1950s and 60s, something shifted. Everyone points to 62, 63, when prayer was taken out of public schools, and then the Bible, the voluntary reading of the Bible was taken out of public schools, and then came attacks on the Ten Commandments, and then everything else, right? Well, so if that happened in the early 60s, something had to happen before that to set the stage. And I love the fact you alluded to Antonio Gramsci. He was an Italian Marxist that wrote all these prison notebooks. And in his notebooks, he knew, by the way, most of them did, he, they knew, enemies of America, they knew that America would never go down because it was too strong in almost every way. And especially, you could never attack us militarily, never. But if you can get into the culture and if you can destroy the economy, um, Trevor Loudon once said, if America, if the economy goes down, America's military goes down. And if America is weakened militarily, then we all go down. And he's from New Zealand. So that's what he meant by we all go down. But in education, 
Antonio Gramsci said, you've got to attack this way to eradicate Christianity over a couple of generations in America. It's got to be a long, I think he said either gradual or progressive march through the major institutions. And then over a couple of generations, and this is what they did. I think at the beginning of that chapter, I quoted Joseph Stalin. He said, education is a weapon whose effect depends on who holds it in his hands and at whom it is aimed. Well, we know that the left, going back to John Dewey in the 1930s and 40s, um, socialist, atheist, and he was one of the fathers of American education, right? Compare his socialist, godless worldview to like a Noah Webster who said, in my view, the Christian religion is the most important and one of the first things in which all children under a free government ought to be instructed. And Noah Webster of Webster, Webster's Dictionary, by the way, 1828 Dictionary, one of the best out there. You got to look it up. Webster's 1828. That's the one I like to use. But what did we expect, Heidi? Let me give you an example from the educational standpoint. First of all, I know I'm hard on teachers often, but my family, my mom, my dad, my sisters, I have a cousin, I have friends that were in the education system. It has changed radically and drastically. And in my opinion, and probably yours as well, it is beyond redemption, the education system in America. But let me just say, what did we expect when last year we were seeing the fruit of what has been taught when you rewrite history, when you edit and change public school textbooks? So the textbook publishers are the problem. The NEA and the curriculum that's antichrist, that's a problem. That's driven down through the schools, through the states. So what did we expect when they're tearing down statues and national monuments of founding fathers and early presidents and leaders, not even knowing what they stood for? They're just tearing down statues. They're trying to erase our history. That's a communist tactic as well. But they're minions. Most of them don't even know they're doing it. They just know I'm supposed to hate America, be against Christianity, and hate Donald Trump and the Republicans. That's all they know. They can't give any defense of why. So that's some of the rotten fruit of the education system. And I know you've been talking about this for years. Hey, you guys, you have probably heard by now that I am running for the United States House of Representatives to represent District 3 in Washington State. And I wanted to let you know that there are a couple of ways that you can help us. First of all, follow me on all of my campaign social media platforms. You can find Heidi St. John for Congress at Facebook. You can also find me on Instagram. And of course, sign up to get on the mailing list at Heidi St. John for Congress. We are up against a very big second quarter fundraising deadline right now. And we need you to donate to the campaign. Every little bit helps. And so you guys have heard me say before, it takes a lot of money to run a campaign like this. And there's some very important things coming up. If you go to the website, HeidiStJohnForCongress.com, you can find out exactly how to donate. And I would so appreciate that. Also, you can volunteer. And we need volunteers from all over the country. We need prayer volunteers. And you can sign up to be on our prayer team at HeidiStJohnForCongress.com. You can complete the volunteer form there and you can join my fight for the soul of America. Again, you guys, that website is HeidiStJohnForCongress.com. Yeah. Well, and it and it's urgent now. I mean, it's just I've been I've been telling parents, pull your children out of these education indoctrination systems. They're hurting our children. They're turning them into anti-God, un-American, anti-American uh, young men and women who believe they're on a righteous crusade. And so when you see these kids out, you know, burning our cities down and setting fire to our federal courthouses, it's because they believe that what they're doing is correct. 
and they're learning this stuff in the school system is so important. I want to shift really quickly because I've got about seven minutes left. And I want to I want to talk about uh, President Trump. So you know that I was a huge supporter of President Trump and I did not appreciate everything he tweeted, but his policies and that's what that's what why we elect people, right? We don't elect them for personality, we elect them for policy. And we saw many 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 people, particularly uh church going people, evangelicals if you want to lump them into that, you know, sloppy agape category. But uh, we saw many Christians say, nope, I'm sorry, you know, uh, I can't I can't support him. He's just a wicked, evil man, completely blinded by the, the mainstream media's narrative. And they they would not look at the policies that he was instituting. And now we're paying a terrible price for it as we're watching what the Biden administration is doing, uh, starting with abortion, you know, and uh, and the terrible damage is being done at our southern border, the Keystone Pipeline. I can go on and on and on. What's your your perspective on what happened when it came to Christians and their lack of support for President Trump? Our emphasis on feelings and emotion trumped, and pun intended, the truth, the facts, biblical biblical Christianity, and policies that would su- be supported by biblical ideas and concepts, meaning defending life in the womb, from the womb to the tomb, even the elderly, even the orphans and widows, and as the Bible teaches. And that's why I wrote that chapter toward the end of the book, Policies, Platforms, and Procedures, because, and this will be ammo for a lot of us in coming elections, when we have these discussions with family members and friends, or hopefully social media, you can't have, anyway, <laughs> it's hard to have an interaction that's sane when you go back and forth. It's hard to convince someone of anything, but at least you can put it out there. Uh, first of all, I've learned to ask questions instead of try to make my point. Always ask them, because oftentimes they can't defend their position. Ask them, what do you mean by that? Trump is evil. Uh, you know, or, or he uh, hates, uh, I don't know, he's a racist or whatever. So how did you come to that conclusion? It's a great question to ask whether they're talking about a policy on abortion and Planned Parenthood or transgenderism. So what do you mean you can be whatever sex you want? Ask people how they explain it and where do they get that information? Because it's probably, probably not the Bible. It's probably not science or biology or history. It's probably something they've been conditioned to repeat the liberal talking points. So I wrote that chapter because we've got to look at the massive amount of good things that this president did. I voted for Ted Cruz before the uh, November election of 2016. I liked Cruz. Of course, I could have voted for almost a dozen guys, Ben Carson and Rand Paul and Scott Walker and so many quality candidates that were good conservative candidates. And when it came to the election time, I voted for President Trump proudly, not knowing he made a lot of promises. And I knew he wasn't a politician. That that worked in his favor, I think. I didn't know that he would work so hard to fulfill these promises to on religious freedom, on standing up for our greatest ally, Israel, on the economy, on on all these issues that you and I are so the life, all these things for life and pro-life issues, so many things. And I don't get, Heidi, how a a Bible-believing Christian can look at some of the policies and go, yeah, but I still don't agree with him or whatever. You, you might not like the guy. Now we're talking personality. Now we're talking about emotion. We're talking about his tweets and how they make you feel. What is he doing 
from a biblical perspective, can you back up any of his policies by the legislation that came out of the administration? And most people, if they were honest and if they can have a civil debate, they would say, well, yeah, he did do a lot of good. But we didn't get all of that because we are so into this, this angst and this, I want to be right, and I've made my mind up, and he's you know, orange man bad, and he's evil, and he's the racist. So this is what happened. People didn't look at the fruit. Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. And the fruit, when it, meaning policies and legislation that came out of the Trump years, they blessed this country more than – I think you got to go back to Reagan – even more than George W. Bush. Oh, yeah, so, you do. Yeah. yeah, there's no question. Yeah. I mean, I always tell people, you know, Trump was my favorite president. And I was and I'm I'm a Reagan girl like, uh, you know, I'm a I'm a Reagan girl through and through. But I'll tell you what, no one would dispute the fact that President Trump loves this country. And we've got people in there right now who do not love this country. And I mean, right now you got uh, Joe Biden and they're doing more for Russia than he is for the United States. I mean, he's promoting their pipeline. He's going to help them get their oil flowing Did you you know, freely. Oh, That's yeah. That's funny. It's ironic, isn't well, it? Well, it's it's dangerous. And he's he's not an American president. And Trump put the American agenda first, which is the job of an American president. And the blindness of these sanctimonious, hypocritical Christians who just could not dirty their hands to vote for a guy whose tweets they didn't like and or who believed the narrative of the mainstream media who hated President Trump and went out to destroy him since the day he was inaugurated into office. Shame on them for their lack of discernment because here we are now. I read an article uh, on my podcast, you know, from a, from a newspaper, pro-life evangelicals for Biden. And I thought, how foolish, how stupid stupid can we be? A pro-lifer for Biden? Are you serious? He's the opposite of pro-life. He's pro-death. And and we were blinded by our pride. It is pride that kept the Christians from being willing to say, you know what? Might not like the guy, may not invite him over for dinner, but boy, he's doing a good thing for the country. And that was blindness. And now we're paying a pretty heavy price for it. And that's for sure. Yes, we are. And by the way, he triggered, Donald Trump triggered people in 2019, I believe it was, when he spoke at the UN uh, meeting in, in New York with the globalists and the world leaders. And he said, America will never be a globalist nation. Then he wanted to, he went on, went on to tout nationalism and, and, and religious freedom and, and individualism and, and pride and, and everything else, the, the hard work, the work ethic and everything else. Globalists hated him. By the way, what you said about Biden, when you said Biden uh, supporting Russia, and he's, he's you know, big time supported, him and Kamala both supported by China, big time, China Communist Party. And I read about that in another chapter. But this is all, we have to remember, we get overwhelmed by this. We go, how, we're trying to scratch our heads going, how can an American president actually do this, actually go against our own country's interests and side with, see, this is globalism, right? But we also have to understand what is behind all this? Biblical prophecy. America's got to be taken down. America's got to be weakened. This is all prophetic. Biden doesn't know. He doesn't. He could care less about the Bible and 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 you know God and, and what's going to happen in the future. He just knows that he's against America. He's against the Christian worldview, and he shows that blatantly by his policies, openly and proudly. So we have to understand this is all prophetic. Heidi, I know someone said. Many people have probably said this same thing along these lines that uh, that. Things are not necessarily falling apart. Things are falling into place because the pieces are moving. The board has been set and everything's happening just under God's sovereignty. 
just as it's supposed to happen. We don't like it because we've been so blessed and spoiled here in America, but this is what has to happen. People have to be against America for this to happen. And we've got the Biden administration uh, just showing its true colors. And that's a good thing, I think, for people to see. Yeah, I think so too. And we, you know, you and I both share the same view on the prophetic nature of what's going on around us. But I have hope because uh, I know we serve the living God, right? And one of these days, uh, the Lord of Heaven's army is going to return, and He's going to He's going to set things right. But in the meantime, we we need to bring hope and encouragement to people who are listening. They don't need to be discouraged, but they definitely do need to get off the bench and onto the battlefield. This idea that, and we've heard it before, you know, the rapture is coming. And so I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to get involved. This fatalistic idea that the church should just remove itself from culture and let the thing play out. That was never what God instructed us to do. We were never called to be, you know, wallflowers for Jesus. We were called to, to speak the truth in love and to to bring salt and light to wherever we could. And I have hope in that. I believe that our best days could still be ahead of us. We don't know what God's clock is. We don't know what the timing is, but we do know that our grandkids are going to grow up in this. And we do know that should should the Lord tarry, if we sit back and just let it all unravel, they're going to be stuck with it till whenever the Lord comes back. And I don't know about you, but I want to get off the bench and onto the battlefield and actually affect change for as much as the Lord allows me to do it. And I know that that's your heart too. Can you, before we, as we wrap this up, can you just uh, send us out on a high note? We just encourage the parents who are just going, what should I, I feel discouraged now, but God says, don't be discouraged, right? God's patience means salvation. We are here to populate the earth. And so if you're older now and you're not having kids, you have grandkids, you're not populating the earth anymore, but your job is to populate heaven. Meaning people need to hear the gospel. Those are two reasons we're here. People need to hear the good news. And there is good news with all the junk that's going on and, and the division and the warfare. There's good news that there's a God who has all of us in mind and he has a plan and that plan, we can be part of it. And I believe your listeners, most of your listeners are, but we need to get that message out to people who are feeling hopeless, helpless, who are looking at these times and going, I'm ready to check out. Well, we are not to love this world, nor the things in the world. It says in first John chapter two, it says the one who does the will of God lives forever. After we've come to believe, after we're obeying him and working and doing things we are called to do. And that means loving our neighbor, which can often be hard, especially if they're on the left and they're just coming against you. Then you love them and you move on and just try to be patient with them. But make sure that God, you give God room to work. Um, Charles Spurgeon said, we are not to be living specimens of men, well-preserved, but living sacrifices whose lot it is to be consumed. Meaning, if as long as there's breath in our lungs, as long as we have strength, let it be fighting this good fight of faith. Why does the Bible say it's a good fight? Because we know Jesus has conquered. When he said it is finished, the work was finished. You and I don't need to do any work as far as our salvation goes. That's been done by faith through grace. We believe in Christ. But now we have work to do while we're here. And it's an honor and a privilege to live, whether it's, it's, it's 20, 30, 40, 50 years, 80 years, 90 years. I hope I don't live to be 90, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a privilege and an honor to live at any time if you're in Christ, because you know the work is eternal. It is not temporary. So you each have a purpose. God's got your back, but you have to do the work. You have to be ready to be in battle. And it's not always pleasant, 
but he's got a, a place for us already pre-planned. He's got that all set up. That's why Jesus said, you know, when I, when I come back, I'll take you with me to be with me where I am. He said that in John uh, chapter 14. And they go, what do you mean? And so he was already preparing a place, and he's prepared a place for all of us, too, if you believe in Jesus Christ. Our focus has to be eternal, not temporal. Even though we live in this world, we are not of this world. So let me encourage you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Amen. Amen. And that is a wonderful place to uh, end the broadcast today. David Fiorazzo, thank you so much for uh, for writing Canceling Christianity, for doing all the work that you're doing over at Stand Up For The Truth. And I hope to have you back on the show again real soon. God willing, we'll do it. I would vote for you if I was in Washington, Heidi. <laughs> Thanks for well, talking. Well, dude, I'll tell you what. In the meantime, I'll take your donation. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Hey, we'll put that out there. God bless you, sister. Thank you for getting off the bench and being such a good leader and example. Thank you so much. You guys, for more information on David Fiorazzo and his new book, Canceling Christianity, How the Left Silences Churches, Dismantles the Constitution, and Divides the Culture, go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. Scroll down to the show notes, and I will link back to the book in the show notes today. Have a great weekend, everybody. Love your families well. And I'll see you back here on Monday at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at MomStrongInternational.com.